Broadcasting from another dimension, deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest, sending you secrets from the future directly into your motherfucking mind. <laughs> That's right, everybody. Y'all know what time it is. It's episode 32 of the Ghost Shrimp and Friends podcast. Uh, Welcome to a fresh episode full of friendly conversations about friendship and inspiration and being creative. You know what I'm saying? The topics that we always talk about trying to inspire you to follow your dreams and shit. Um, And boy, do we have a hot episode today. We got my man Scott C. in the house. Um, Amazing illustrator, um, author of The Hug Machine uh, and many other books, uh, done Double Fine Comics, um, done the Psychonauts video game, um, just done so much shit, uh, just very prolific, cranks out his own stuff to the max, selling prints and all sorts of things. If you don't know about Scott C., you need to check him out, and you're in for a real treat, because he's personally one of my favorite uh, artists, because um, you can really see him in everything he does. He has such a strong visual brand, and such a personal um, you know, voice in his own work, and those are the things that I love most about uh, creative people, so uh, I love his shit, as you can hear me just fucking dripping juices of praise on him, he's drowning in this podcast at times, because um, he's uh, he's just such a nice dude, I'm so glad to be friends with him, and be able to jump on here and share this conversation with you, because you know we got into it, we, get, we got that podcast chemistry going, and we went off the script, and we got into some really fun territory with it it's always fun to get off the script and then uh, it always leaves me with more questions for next time because you know he's gonna be back oh yes he is um let's see we got a couple uh new patrons uh, this week uh one at the one dollar level shout out to all the one dollar contributors to the patreon page uh, patreon.com slash ghost shrimp if you want to support this podcast and show some love you can do so there um and a big shout out to my man Raphael Tanghall my man Raph Tanghall coming in with the three dollar per podcast contribution man uh Raphael Tanghall aka Raph aka Riff Raph uh, one of the one of the OG Ghost Scouts, one of the people that made me uh, go shrimp. You know, what I'm saying one of the homies from Pratt, another one of the homies from Pratt. Definitely gonna have to get him up on the podcast at some point. Um, one of my favorite dudes, probably the most talented person that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Um, so, uh, and he's just a he's just a fresh little dude. So we'll have to get him on here. Mm, that juicy old cup of coffee. So big shout out to Raph. Thank you, my brother, for supporting the pod. Um, also, uh, let's see, on the on the Patreon page, uh, this week I started doing 
some more exclusive behind-the-scenes shit. I've started doing some video episodes. I've shared little snippets of them on uh, on the social media as well. Some time-lapse inking, some time-lapse penciling. Uh, I'm going to really start to document a lot more of my creative process. Um, one of the coolest things about you know getting into this podcast, getting into this Patreon, really getting into any kind of new project for yourself is that you're going to find that once you're in there, you're going to get a lot of new ideas about different things you can do off of that so here we are once again just expanding on this shit um and uh, i'm starting to do a lot of behind the scenes um videotaping uh and uh and 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 shooting some shooting some behind the scenes footage that i'm gonna that i'm putting up as little mini sods called behind the foreskin right where i'm taking you behind the curtain but in our world in ghost world here i'm taking you deep behind the foreskin into the creative process and uh so you can see the first three behind the foreskin mini sods right now um, they're about three minutes, three minutes, and four minutes, I think. Um, just little uh, clips of me working on the illustrations that I'm working on, a little commentary right afterwards about kind of what I was thinking and the progress I made. And I'm really excited to just uh, get into this. I feel like it's a good point in my career to start documenting these pieces, make little mini docs about all the projects that I'm working on. Um, I think that that's a kind of a no-brainer at this point because I'm trying to, uh, you know, just kind of expand this fan base through the Patreon. And I know I love like behind the, but like 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 director's commentary on all the DVDs I love and like listening to the people I love on podcasts and kind of anything that they do and say. My favorite artists. So um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start to start to give y'all more of that. I mean I'm doing the work anyway, so it's kind of a no-brainer at this point. Um, just set up the camera and 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 pull y'all behind the foreskin a little bit so very excited to do that um so you can check that out on the patreon and continue to do that on a weekly basis so probably multiple updates a week and uh, at this point um you can view it at any donating level um once we kind of get it more established and shit i'll probably uh I'm, i might make it um you know into another tier like maybe the three dollar per podcast level or something right now we got the one dollar the two dollar and then of course some people go and be above and beyond with it um but uh you know it, it it might be might be bumped into a into a higher tier at some point but for now well we're figuring it out and and to get give everybody a taste taste that foreskin you know what i'm saying everybody wants a taste of that foreskin you can get it right now um on the patreon page and uh so basically i'm gonna post up these mini sods in real time as they happen like i was filming this morning and um you know i'm gonna put that together in the next day or two and get that up and just kind of keep doing it right so whatever i'm working on do that and then once the projects that i'm working on are finished like right now this saraswati piece and this personal piece that i'm kind of lumping in with it um working on it at the same time um once the pieces are done, I think I'm going to edit these into, uh, into stuff for the YouTube channel. I want to start getting into using the YouTube channel some more. So then I'll be posting the full episodes, the behind the foreskin full episodes up there. Um, but obviously they'll be coming out less frequently. You'll get all the inside scoop, um, uh, and, and, and really more. Cause when I go to edit it down, I'll probably end up editing some shit out of it. Um, so, uh, you know, you'll get to see a lot more behind the scenes stuff and you'll get to see it in real time, um, on the Patreon page. And that's, that's just right now a perk. So, uh, everybody can enjoy that 
for free. And, uh, you know, that's what we're all about. We're all about building up this creative community. And uh, very exciting. Really enjoying using the Patreon. Still trying to figure some of it out. It's a little funny. Sometimes the numbers of people will sort of fluctuate without people signing up or or or, <laughs> or dropping out. And then... Uh, and then also like the number of people pledging on each uh, project on each like podcast like goes up and down. I guess you could set individual filters of like how much you're how much you're donating each month. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. Still a little bit new to it. We've been doing this for four months, so still kind of observing the how the whole system in Patreon works. But uh, I would highly recommend it to everybody, and I've been having fun with it, and feel like we've been just crushing it. Super, super psyched about the level of uh, involvement that we've had on there and obviously expanding into some new territory with these projects. Um, so uh, let's see. I think that's about it. Just been making all that progress, which, you know, we don't even really talk about because you guys can see it um, on the social media and on the on the Patreon page. Just been working on that Saraswati piece and uh and this personal piece, and um, that's pretty much about it. So uh, without further ado, let's just jump into this old AWOL 1 theme song. Broadcasting live from all right here we are once again with yet another amazing guest none other than scott c welcome to the go shrimp and friends podcast my friend Thank you, my friend. I'm super pumped to be talking to you, dude. Yeah, we've been talking about getting you on for a minute. Yeah, man. Oh, God. I wish I was there hanging out, man, at the fort, at the camp. I know. It is uh, is wonderful, although pretty sloppy right now. It's like that time of year where it's half, like the last remnants of the snow and then like mud. So it's right. pretty sloppy, oh. pretty sloppy time of year here in Vermont. Dude, I can imagine one tree mix up there is pretty rotten. Yeah, but it's all but, glorious. I love it all. Yeah. And the anticipation for spring is real. So uh, I can't wait. It's going to be great. You really, Every day you step out, there's more and more birds are coming back and filling the woods with their songs and all that. So it's the uh, best. always amazing. So uh, we are friends, and we, I was trying to remember, we would have met probably like at Ape in like 2004 or something like that. Yeah, I think that's about right. I remember because you, uh, I forget what comic it was, but you've like just uh, jumped onto the scene with that one, oh, what was it? The octopi one. Correct, the octopi that- in the ocean. Yeah, that was the talk of the town, man. Everyone's so excited about it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, I love this guy. Yeah, that book then, did make a little bit of a splash. That was fun. It, did. it was awesome. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, oh, I love this dude. And then kind of lost touch with you. And then later on, reconnected when you're in Vermont, actually, I think. But. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would have, uh, and we might have bumped into, we might have crossed paths at some other cons during yeah, that I time because I put out those two books early on. 
right. um, and and attended some cons and stuff. So we probably chit chatted. That's um, like Mocha, I remember too. With yeah, yeah. Yep, and then uh, and then you came as a visiting artist to Go Scout Training Camp in either year two or year three. I think it was probably year two. Right. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Two or three. I remember because there are already some alumni campers and or whatever. You, what do you call those? The scouts. Yep. yep the counselors. The counselors that are coming back to help me run camp. Right. Yeah, man. There are already stories that were being told. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, we got off to a hot start with trading camp. That's for sure. <laughs> oh man. Hey, did you ever get? This is kind of a side note, but did you ever get beavers for the pond? Do they have? Do you have beavers living there yet? <laughs> no, no. There were. Yeah. So you were here too, because that's I think when they left. That when we first got the property, there were some beavers in a beaver pond. Yeah. back there and then um there was a lot of beaver activity up here across the street um on my neighbor's property there <laughs> was a big beaver pond and then they were continuing to move up his property and mm-hmm. make more and more dams and so he had to take care of some uh beaver trouble and then <laughs> and then i think the beavers moved down the hill they moved to <sighs> another spot cuz they kind of move around a bit and we mm-hmm. haven't had any since. I was just thinking about it again. I was wondering if it would work if we if we got a trapper to toss a beaver into our pond because it's kind of like, you know, as the dam kind of comes undone a little bit, the you know, the, it's more of a swampy little pond yeah. now. Yeah, you lose you lose the water, right? And you still have their houses like like vacant. I mean, they could just move right in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I I wonder. It'd be interesting. I think I will try that experiment. Maybe we'll try it this year. I think we can also do, do a little bit of repair on the dam ourselves. Um, and and that might be a fun thing to try. Um, but uh, yeah, it's half on my land and half on my neighbor's land too. So, if it was all on our land, we could actually do like a pretty cool just man-made dam right there. But we'd have to get their cooperation. So that might be something right, right. that happens in the future. But yeah, I have not acted on the uh, on the Operation Beaver yet. But that could be a pretty fun experiment. <laughs> I was really excited about thinking about that. I've been thinking about it all this time since being there. I'm like, when, dude. Is that family enjoying themselves there? Yeah, but I think I they might have to rebuild a house. I don't know how that would work, like because the house is just sticks and it's you know definitely like now it actually has trees growing out of it and everything. The old beaver house, so yeah, dude. So those beavers would have to get busy. But yeah, I've looked up a lot of info. There's not actually a lot of information on like the construction of beaver dams and stuff, like specific. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I want some ble- beaver blueprints here. I'm gonna get in there, get on my wetsuit, and dive in there. I got some big front teeth. Yeah, I think I could. Dude. I I think I could give it a shot. You could, dude. You could. That could be the natural project. That could be part of Ghost Scout Camp. Like you guys are always building these wonderful structures for the artists and everyone to hang out. But you, you know, you have these little beavers, beaver artists that could really enjoy some little forts too. If you have, if you're able to get in there and you have everyone else use their teeth, and you could really make it like, like really soup up their stuff, like a house that they could, like maybe two story, like stuff that you know, put some books in there. Yes. Yeah. This like, is already sounding like something that both of us might draw. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. exactly. Oh man. Oh. Yeah, we could have the first beaver artist residency. That would be incredible. Would be we could so- have beavers from all over the world come in, and like you know, beavers from Russia and beavers yeah. from Asia and beavers from the where else? Do they, I don't even know where do they have I beavers. Don't know where else? 
So where there's a lot of pine trees, I would think. But yeah, they would have so many different views, world views, and different yeah, houses. They'll be very interesting. Yeah, beavers are big, and I guess they can kind of mess you up too. I I'm glad that didn't happen to me because once we were at the gas station on the corner in, uh, going into town and there was a beaver kind of confused in the parking lot and he was trying to cross the road and stuff. So I was kind of trying to like guide, guide the beaver to the back to the river. Um, but I've heard they can actually turn on you pretty quick and give you a nasty bite. So I'm glad that didn't happen to me. I'm glad to dude. savage beaver attacks. <laughs> oh man. But you always got to be on your toes in the woods. You never know what's going to happen. Turkey attacks are real. Yeah. Turkeys will come at you. Birds, swans. We've been in a, once we were taking right. a, once me and my friends were on a pond in a canoe and we came too close to some, probably a swan's nest or something. And they do a thing where they fly right at you. They do a big loop and they come God. in hot and they're flying right at you, right over the water. And then they, mm -hmm. and like so much so that you're getting your adrenaline up, you're picking up the oar like this thing is about to, like you're about to have to hit this thing or it's going to knock you out. Right. And, uh, and then it stops right in front of the boat and like splashes you with its feet. It's rude, really. It just comes out to being rude. <laughs> So he just tries. So it's all about scaring you, and then just flicks water on you. It's just like yeah, yeah. Well, they skinny. well they come. They do it at the last minute, and then they kind of they kind of land in front of you to get you to get you out of there. It's really just a message. It's a message <laughs> that they're trying to send to you. I've heard that about those guys uh, or gals, or whatever. But I, 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 every time I see swans, actually, I get I get a little bit fearful for that because I've heard that they're pretty. Yeah. Intense. Well, ducks, chickens, all those all those birds are actually, they can really get after you if they want to. All right. Well, luckily I don't mistreat those little guys. I let them yeah. do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Best to, uh, best to not do what we did. We, of course, were teenagers and we thought, let's come back around and see what happened. We made it to the shore safely. We were like, holy shit, that was close. And then we were like, let's go back in and see what happens. <laughs> more, <laughs> yeah, of right. more, <laughs> more of the same. More of the same stuff. Yeah. Oh man, dude! I'm drawing beavers as we're chatting. Nice, I love it. I love it. You can post it up. That'll be the the extras, the bonus extras from the pod. Yeah, bonus extras. <clears throat> so, um, so man, you've had quite a career. You've been at it for uh, a long time, like myself, yeah. but but longer, I think. And uh, and I think the thing that I love most about your career and your artwork is how self-guided it is how much you really produce your own material and do so much with it turn it into pins and and prints and and toys and books and you know uh rather than you know i know that you do some you know do work with some clients as well but it seems like most of your stuff is really self-guided and i love the i love the artist empowerment of that yeah thanks man yeah i i think that stems from like I mean, like the pins and the and the like, all that stuff. Like that's like fairly, fairly recent. I I want to do so much more with like these characters and having spots where you could go visit and environments that you could go enjoy characters. I've always wanted to do that as well. But um, but yeah, I think that comes from like just going to these uh, mostly going to these comic shows, these like ape and these indie shows where everyone was so all about making your own stuff so much. It wasn't as much about. Like, you know, getting published and doing all that stuff is about just making your own things, you know. And I remember everyone was all about, like, uh, having your own art shows, like renting spaces in San Francisco and we'd have our own art shows. And I was a part of this other collective that 
in our collective of people right after college, then we would just throw shows and stuff just as a as a way to have goals, you know? Yeah. Because when you when you have like your own when you get when you get you know get out of college or whatever and you have your job whatever it is you know whether it's you know serving pizzas or like working in, at a studio or something like that like it's hard to kind of make get motivated to do your own projects because you don't have like school to like assign things for you just to do your own thing you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that was why we like being in comics with a bunch of buddies and then for getting each other to do it and then also being in this collective and for getting everybody to have these shows as as like goals was the best thing ever and you could actually you know and that's obviously now that's even more of a thing with video games people making indie games and their own movies and it's just so much you could do so much more now but but yeah it's um yeah i think that's like a and and i think that's also awesome is because that's kind of a way to fuel like your other stuff like when you're because working in video games for a long time so doing doing that that work but also having the stuff on the side kind of helped me you know loosen up to do the job so kind of helped inform each thing i guess yeah yeah and i feel like for me it's always i need to be doing artwork with a with with my artwork needs to be as personal as possible in a way that like that's how i kind of i think move forward through my life like if i'm working on something that's not super personal Uh it's almost like it stunts my growth for a little bit and i have to get back Uh to that personal that super personal those super personal projects or just having a super personal spin on the commercial work that i'm getting because i feel like once you get away from that too much and you're not really like strengthening and practicing your voice as an artist that you know Uh sometimes you can lose a little bit of that flame that maybe you had coming out of the gate to really get it going you know i I feel like i feel like i can see that sometimes with artists as they get deeper into their career in commercial art sometimes they get away from that super personal stuff and i feel like Uh that's what i love about your stuff is i see you in everything that you do it's just (laughs) it's just dripping with those scotsy juices and i can't get enough man (laughs) thanks man Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's like I think that that is the trick. Yeah, trying to like keep keep doing that stuff. Like, well, because everybody, you know, you're gonna be bummed on projects that you do all the time, like uh-huh. for, for clients and stuff. Or trying to find that thing to help you through it and stuff is it's always kind of the tr- a trick, you know. Uh-huh. But like, I feel like something about me, like with recently, because I've been like hungry for that as well like i've been kind of um neglecting that side of myself like the kind of creating things for yourself yeah like and and i remember like i used to like be so into like creating that i that the comic i was doing that comic for double fine for the website the video game company i worked for like i did these comics and we put i put them up every morning as a way to kind of i just spend an hour every morning just to do it it was such an awesome outlet and a way to create your own stuff while you're in the sea of these other this huge project you have to do yeah like having that time like when writers say that kind of write a little bit every day just even just like filling up one piece of paper with one little idea like just keeping that muscle going is like super important like and so even if you're like in the throes of some crazy project that's taking up all your time taking the time just to do that for yourself is super important you know even it could be like it could even it could be a minute it could be an hour it could be whatever you know but that really is super beneficial that's something i'm telling myself that basically as much as (laughs) 
because I got to get back into doing that. Yeah, yeah. Just now, now, when you work, are you really routine oriented, or are you more just like when you're feeling it, you're working. When you're not, you're not. What's your What's your like? What's your inspiration and and work style like? Um, I am actually really routine oriented. I definitely like have to like I get up and <clears throat> um, I immediately just. Um, get out of the house and I'm not checking email or anything and I go to like a coffee shop and I sit and I sit my coffee and eat whatever it is I'm chilling eating I stare out the window for a while to do that and just kind of relax and then I read a book is every morning I do this and then um and then I and then I get to and then I make my to-do list and um get to work on what that is and then by 11 cuz I usually wake up at like 7:30 or 8 and mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. and then by like 11 or so I kind of make it to the studio and then I start doing email and the stuff that's kind of more you know uh you know I need to don't need my brain as much I guess um so and then like later there's a sweet spot of creativity cuz in the middle of the day I've realized I don't I can't get as much real creative work done mm-hmm. Like and I'm just kind of okay with it. Like from like noon to like three or four, I really just can't do much at all. So then I do more of the brainless stuff. And then if I'm lucky, I kind of get into back into it around like five to seven is another golden hour of stuff. And it mm-hmm. might be because I because like I'm gonna leave for the day because I try to have normal work work hours and stuff. Right. So I'm I'm more of a morning guy unless of like an evening guy. But I think it's that it's that extra credit at the end of the day where I'm like, ooh, if I can get anything done before I leave, then this is just feels real good, and somehow that relaxes me. So anything I could do just to kind of relax myself and get, you know, get myself in a different, in a mellow mindset. I think that's why I read in the morning too, because that really relaxes my mind. It's yeah. the only time. So. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. I definitely like that. Yeah, my 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 schedule's a little a little crammed in because I'm always working around the kids' schedules and stuff like that. So I'm always okay. like, you know, when it's time, we're like, as soon as they leave, I'm like just jumping on my drawing and trying to get it going. But but yeah, it's always nice yeah. if you can sit back, read a little comic, something like that. Usually, I usually I do that like before bed at night. Um, I, I try to get a little bit of inspirational input in to uh, fuel me again for the next day. But yeah, that sound that sounds really nice. I love the idea of that. That sounds very bohemian to be going out, going out to the coffee shop, just reading a little yeah. book, sipping a little coffee. And I feel like when you know, one of my routines is going out for a walk in the wood in my woods every day. Oh, you know, cause yeah. we're in the woods here, and and I think it's some of those times where you're actually not working that you're that you're kind of your brain is in the background kind of charging up and getting ready for the the work and if you don't do that if you take that out like you're like i got so much work today i've got to just get to it sometimes you're actually less productive when you're trying to work work wall to wall and wire to wire i found that before and that can sometimes be frustrating and then it just makes you almost like want to work even harder but then you're like no sometimes i just have to actually step back do something other than work and then come back fresh yeah, and you have to be okay with yourself, especially if you're hitting a wall creatively or whatever. You're just like, I can't get past this thing. I've been working on this for a couple hours or whatever. I can't get past it. Then you're not going to get past it unless you take a break. And then you come back and you're like, oh, my God, actually, whew. like airing out is so, so important. Yeah. So important, especially yeah. if you're if you're blocked on something. But Yeah. And now – yeah, yeah, I love finding. I love finding different coffee shops too. It's like finding like real ch- awesome chill spots is one of my favorite things. Little little spots to work that are peaceful and. Oh, so it's not necessarily the same coffee shop every day. You like to branch out. 
Yeah, I may mean, have like my main ones I go to, but if I can branch out, that feels pretty good. Now, what? Now, this is the important question. This is the important question. If you're at this coffee shop first thing in the morning, are you taking your morning poop there? <laughs> that is a really good question. You know, sometimes, and sometimes when I get to the studio, it's a good, really, really good, good question. Um, but usually, I, I try to be, not do that there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because people have different takes on that. Some people really don't like to poop in public places, and some people don't mind yeah. it. So you know, I don't know what that exactly says about a person, but it probably says something important. It does probably. You're a good point. Yeah, I I, I have no problem with it, man. Really. <laughs> Yeah, pooping preferences. Yeah, I don't mind it. I always definitely, like, my mom taught me to put the toilet paper on the seat, so I, like, lay it all down carefully, you know, I'm laying all of it down, and then sometimes it's a bummer, it falls in, and it all falls, you gotta start over, you gotta lay those strips out, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't really know what, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what I'm protecting against, but... It's probably a good that I've done that because I haven't gotten any butt diseases, so it's good. working. Yeah. I think it's working. Great. I, I, yeah, me too. I think that's a good part of it. It's just comfortable to have a nice soft seat anyways. It's like an extra layer. True, true. What's your, what's your thoughts on the padded, uh, the padded bathroom seats? Is that something that you'd be interested in? Those cushy, like, grandma you know padded we- bathroom <laughs> seats? At our place, like we had like, our our super came, like our our toilet seat got smashed, and um, our super came and uh, replaced it. But he was like, he always just buys the cheapest thing he could find. He's like, you're gonna love it, you're gonna love this one. And it was one of those padded ones. Yeah, like, oh, God, dude. Like I, I had one of those when I was little. Like yeah. my mom got one of those for us, and it, it it's it's kind of comfortable, but it really is like it's an odd feeling to have when you're trying to take care of things right yeah it's kind of out of place you're like does it yeah it feels a little too tactile or something like a little like are am i on a pillow right now should i be going on the bathroom on a pillow yeah it's interesting yeah Yeah, it's interesting it's very luxurious though i do like the idea of it i think i might upgrade our toilet seat and get I've, i've i think about that from time to time yeah or maybe just quilt it or something put a little nice quilt around it might be a nice little thing too you know Yeah, homemade craft project (laughs) <laughs> oh man good but yeah that's a good import- that's an important part of the day though definitely um now so what are the, what are your favorite kind of projects to do hmm um let's see i do well i love doing let's see here what do i like to do the most actually i miss doing comics quite a, li- a lot i haven't mm. done that a while i i really enjoy see i'm going over my head all the things i do <laughs> so I right, right, right right uh picture books yeah those are pretty fun like video games uh yeah design concepting video games can have its ups and downs it can have its really satisfying times you're trying to figure something out and then just kind of hit your head against the wall i guess some of my favorite things are like actually doing projects for um Well, doing projects for like um, for galleries, I actually like a lot when I'm you come up with a theme or a project that, that can just be a little experience for everyone to come and experience physically at the gallery. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's super fun for me, and being able to interact with people in that way, I think that's almost more enjoyable sometimes than actually producing the work. Like I just love having, and we we do that for the for the picture books a lot at Gallery Nucleus. We'll have like um, shows with all the art from the book up 
but then we create something around whatever the theme of the book is, like to make it a cool experience for people to come and have. You know, like like for Hug Machine, we had an obstacle course that you could go and you hug a bunch of things and you time yourself. And for the for the dogs, the, there's a dog book they did called Dogs Run Free, and it was like. And you could bring your dog there into the gallery, and they made a little zone that only the dogs could hang out in. And you have like a little bar for the dogs to order their beverages, and you have the adults can order their beverages. So it's like a cool little experience for everyone, you know. And then I have to be able to like, uh, you know, talk to to everyone about like how I made the book and everything, and just like we can make jokes together and have contests. And it's just like a fun—I don't know—I almost feel like that's my favorite part, you know, like hanging out with everybody and enjoying enjoying the stuff together you know yeah and that Um, makes sense because i feel like you you do a lot of art that engages like like real relationships with people like you're doing a lot of stuff you go to a lot of do you still do a lot of conventions do you go to comic conventions still i still do but i I do about um two or three year now okay yeah yeah but but yeah it seems like you know you're doing a lot of direct-to-person stuff and the gallery stuff so that that makes sense you know a lot of it is like cultivating relationships with people and right. friendships and i think that's a, that's really interesting that's an important part of the work for you well you know what i think and i think that's a, a, a kind of what i like to do as far as my paintings and, and with my picture books and stuff go too like i love to think about how people can experience it like i yeah. love people thinking about the adventures that people can have by kind of losing yourself in whatever the scene is and if there's a like because i always found comfort in like you know, crowd scenes where there's a bunch of people doing stuff. I'd love to pretend I was different people here and there. I think, like, I was just talking to my friend about, like, probably the first... I was really into Richard Scarry books, but the first book that really kind of just did that for me and got me so excited was Go Dog Go. Yeah. At the end of Go Dog Go, when they all, they're on their way, you go, oh, where are all these dogs going? They're, like, racing. They're racing, and then the next page, I go, oh, they're going so fast towards that tree. What's in that tree? Oh, and everyone's freaking out, and they're like, oh, my God, there's a ladder going up to that tree. What am I going to do in that tree? And then everyone's going up to the tree, and the very top of the tree is the dog party, like tons of dogs doing different things, and some of them precariously near the edge. Some are comfortably in the middle of the tree, and as a kid, I was so into staring at that page forever and just pretending I was there and thinking about which dog I'd rather be than another dog. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that dog. He's just close to the edge. I don't want to be that dog. His feet are sticking out, so he's he must have a hard time breathing and such. <laughs> I was like, I would love to pretend I was all the different people and enjoy those worlds, and that's like kind of the same feeling that I want like want people to have with my art and my paintings and stuff like that and books and everything so yeah and i want to do that so much more with with picture books actually i want to do like uh books that have a lot more um happening and like that where you can kind of explore the kid can explore and kind of um just kind of um you know have their own adventure i guess along with all the characters in the book you know yeah yeah, that's one of the things I love about your work is that kids can enjoy it, like almost probably everything you've done. I feel like there's no real age consideration. It's it's really for everybody. Like whereas my work, you know, I'm really doing a lot of like more inappropriate adult themes and stuff. So it's like, you know, it's probably geared towards used towards older people. Right, um, right. Even though I love the idea of kids, like I used to love to find like the inappropriate like adult artwork and like adult comics and stuff like that, you know, right, when I was a kid. So I always really think of it for everybody too. But I think that's one of the most magical things about your work is that, you know, you're you, without 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 targeting it 
it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel forced at all. It, it just really feels like you're making what makes you happy and that it's really accessible to everybody. And that gives you so many things that you can do with it. Like we love the hug machine book. We, we were just talking about it the other day. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's yeah. such a great children's book. And it has a classic feel to it, too. Like, it doesn't feel like a modern children's book. It feels like a book that I would have grown up reading. That's my favorite part about it. I can't put my finger on it. And, I mean, a lot of your work, I think, is driven from that 80s nostalgia and stuff like that. And, you know, I was a, I was a, uh, you know, I was born in 80s, so I grew up through all that. Um, but so maybe that's, maybe it's sort of, you know, on some deep level tapping into that, but it feels so nostalgic in some way to me that I just love. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. I love, I, I love the, I, I mean, yeah, I'm surrounding myself with those old books, man, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I you're big it. on nostalgia. You, you, you use yeah. a lot of nostalgia in your work. I do, yeah, I do, man. Because it's uh, yeah, it's comforting. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's melancholy and makes you feel a little bit sad, and sometimes you embrace it and you're like, "Boy, this is a part of me. This is what makes me who I am." And you know, I mean, I used to like not. It, it took me a little bit, like, like uh, now. Gallery nineteen eighty eight was the first gallery that I did like a kind of pop culture show. It was like I am eight bit was the first time i did something like that and it, it felt weird at first it was like oh man i have to like choose a video game that i like and kind of redo it and i was like well that just seems like like i mean i'm not creating my own thing right you know? I'd right rather create my own world rather create my own characters and stuff like that but when you start looking at those things and you start feeling that feeling you get i was like oh my god dude i was like i i think paperboy is the first one that i did i did like a paperboy because that was one of my favorite games, like in the arcade to play. Yeah, that game was awesome. I loved it because it was like because the joystick was so unique because it had a BMX like handlebar like a coming out of the coming out of the arcade machine. Oh, that's and funny. Was, I never knew that. I think I only yeah. ever played it on like a at home console, like whatever oh, it was on Sega or I don't remember. Was it Nintendo? Oh yeah, I guess I it would have been NES probably. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know what. Oh yeah, on that. Yeah, I didn't even actually play it other than in the arcade because yeah. I'm. I was born in the 70s rather than the 80s, mm-hmm. so I was enjoying this in the 80s, and um, it felt so good in my hand. Like, like the handlebars felt so good when I was holding it, and kind of like I mean, because that was a pretty cool time to have like a creative, a creative ways to like kind of experience stuff in the arcade. Like that yeah. was so fun. But anyways, so so Paperboy was like my favorite thing. So that was the first kind of painting that I did that was kind of based on that. So I did it like it came out in 1984. So I made it like from 1884. Like, what would that be like? And so it was kind of fun to reimagine Paperboy in like a Wild West town. <laughs> That's hilarious. I kind of see what it might be like, you know. And and that was like the beginning of like enjoying nostalgia in a way that I loved, but also kind of doing something else with it. And really, that's funny. So that's really the origin of you going into those nostalgia deep dives, which of course you know I, the the great showdowns and so much of the you know your 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 kind of tribute pieces to uh, different shows like I can picture the the breaking bad one you did and even adventure time stuff and all kinds of uh great pop culture uh you know uh properties that you've been able to really like just have so much fun with and make your own in these in these tribute pieces yeah man i love it i love it dude great showdowns especially was something that once i got deep into it it was because that was also 1988 crazy for cult was their thing like that was so fun to go back and like and re-experience like all these movies that you 
that you they grew up with, or it just or any movie that you even didn't even realize existed, or it didn't even don't even remember existed. And you're like, oh yeah, that movie that, and that reminds me of a certain time in your life or what was happening, you know, yeah. what toys you're playing with at the time, or yeah, whatever. Oh god, it is pretty great. So. Now, what were your favorite toys growing up? Because you know that was a that was like a gold the golden age, like when Star Wars made those first small format those three and three quarter figures or whatever. You know that I feel like that really set off a revolution in in toys. Uh, you know what do you, what 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 do you remember from growing up with with uh, your favorite toys? Well, that was like my for yeah that was my my first big rage was that like was the star wars ones like yeah. i was like as a that was perfect age for that so i i, I remember even getting because i was watching those toys that made us on netflix which yeah. are pretty, pretty great actually those but like i remember that like the first three first four figures came in the mail like luke and c-3po and rgd2 and ben Obi-Wan kenobi or something uh-huh. um and, and i remember getting that in the mail like that was the first kind of it felt so good to have that little guy, those guys. And so those, those were definitely the first dudes that I kind of carried everywhere and, you know, brought them to school. Uh, yeah, I was in kindergarten, actually. I brought Luke Skywalker to, uh, to, um, show and tell, but then someone broke the head off of him. Oh, so I was, no. I was super oh, sad, and, <laughs> super sad. And then my dad, I was like, Oh dad, I was so sad. My dad's like, Oh, I'll glue it back on. And I was like, oh, dad, it's not going to work. You're not gonna be able to turn his head. So he did, he glued him. But then he laid him on his back, you know, yeah, to dry. And so his head slowly like looked up until it hit the bench, the workbench. And so his he was when he dried, he was always looking up all the time. <laughs> so, so like in all of our Star Wars adventures, like Luke Skywalker had to somehow be talking to people bent over and stuff like that to make it look real. <laughs> That's that. so funny. That's so but, funny. <laughs> so I was into that guy. So I was really into obviously Star Wars and all the you know Transformers and. Uh, he-man all those but i remember like when transformers first came out i was really into like the secret of it you know i was really into like soundwave was my favorite transformer he was the guy that transforms into the little walkman right that plays yeah and he had the little cassette guys that would transform into different and different like pterodactyls and stuff like that exactly different animals that like his buddies and stuff but that guy was but i like that guy because like as soon as he was my first transformer i got and i was so excited because i i remember going to like my parents like right at christmas we had went to a christmas dinner somewhere and i took that guy i transformed into into the walkman i put him on my belt and i took that guy to and i wore him all day and all night (laughs) at this christmas dinner and stuff and i was like dude no one knows that my Sony Walkman will transform into a robot. It was like the secret that I had, and it felt so good to have this secret. And that seems like what Transformers is kind of all about. And it kind of turned into just having battles and all that stuff later. But with the first initial thing was the secret. The wow, secret. that's cool. Yeah. Wait, could you plug headphones into that toy? No, no, you can. No, oh, I don't okay. think. So. Yeah, no, that would have been next level. That would have been next level. <laughs> I would have, I should have, like, maybe... You could have, like, tucked him in, like, just clipped yeah, him behind exactly. the belt, like, and just, yeah, like, pretended to be, be like, what? I can't hear you. I'm listening to my, my Walkman. Listen to my... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, yeah, he was the, he was my favorite, dude. And then, like, of course, he man I was really into. Yeah. I was a sucker for all the main, the main ones, yeah. 
Yeah, so. yeah. G.I. G. Joe was my favorite. Really, like oh, G.I. Joe's, yeah. and they did the mail away stuff too. And the mail away stuff was always the best. Like you clipped the flag points, you saved up the flag points off the backing cards of your guys, and then you'd mail away for like the Cobra Commander or the Sergeant Slaughter, or like they would come with those whole catalogs of 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 the stuff you could save up for with the with the points and all that. The different vehicles you could order. That was like a whole thing that they would do that. That I still have those catalogs, and they produce such a cool feeling to look at them. You're just like, oh my god! Uh, Actually, the the first cabin that I built in New Hampshire when I was kind of experimenting with the homesteading thing, I built this little sleeping loft up there, and I just covered it in like Lego directions and like old like catalogs from all the old figures and stuff. I just wanted to sleep in this like total nest of nostalgia. Um, wow! It was, it was very glorious. I love it. I love the power of nostalgia. I think it's one of the most important things, like at, in developing your voice as an artist, because I think that's. I mean, nostalgia mm-hmm. is just another way of saying inspiration, right? Like the things that fueled mm-hmm. you up the most and got you thinking certain ways and wanting to do certain things and work certain cer- cer- like facets of your identity that that have carried through your whole life. Um, that's that's mm-hmm. I always am trying to get people to tap into that. Not like it's a real. It's obviously kind of a no brainer, but I don't know. That's always right. such a such an important thing to me. I agree, man. I totally yeah. That totally can and and being okay with that, being okay with like it being a, a part of uh, who you are and what what made you you. You know. Yeah. And it's okay to like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, even like you know, like as a kid or even just a young artist, like kind of copying other people and seeing how other people do it. You know, because just like. Actually, the action of drawing things like uh, a certain way, like that you see, is is very uh, inspiring and kind of can inform how you might interpret things, or you might grow as an artist and grow past and through that. But um, you're always gonna like kind of be drawing like other people here and there. Like it comes from something else, and then it'll like morph into whatever your style is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I think my first, one of my first original characters was the Urinator, and he was based directly on the Terminator. So he just had like a gun with P in it. And I remember I got in trouble. It was like in sixth grade, I think. And this was like my character. Like I had this character named Max. And then he was right. just like a kid with spiked hair. So like probably everybody had this character. And then uh-huh. uh, and then his like alter alternate identity was the urinator. And he had like a tank of pee on his back and like a ho <laughs> like a gun hose and some sunglasses on. And I remember my teacher was like, "You can't draw this in school." This he was actually a really cool teacher and like a really good illustrator. Like he would do these like super incredible colored pencil uh, renderings of like book uh-huh. covers and stuff like that. And he actually built his own house. He actually had a, like a really big influence on me um shout out to ron berger he was like the coolest teacher in school and he would like he would sing he would sing a guitar and uh yeah just random memories of him now but but uh, he was was such a cool guy but he totally chewed me out he was like he would get real mad at me sometimes and he got he was like really disappointed that i did this drawing of the urinator (laughs) but that's so creative that seems like that does not surprise me that you did that actually that seems like right up your alley it's pretty much the same sense of humor that i have today <laughs> you know i did like um i remember i used to be really into doctor who when i was younger uh-huh. and like um i used to like to try to make those chapter books you know like hardy boys style i was, I was in hardy boys and like those mystery books too yes. but like 
like where there's like you know some blocks of text and then like a, a illustration and a little bit more blocks of text. But so I would try to do that with um, Doctor Who books to try to be like my Doctor Who books. But I would switch it a little bit and I'd draw the cover. I'd really be really into drawing the characters, and they'd all be ripoffs of all my action figures. Like I yeah. wouldn't, they weren't that creative or anything. Like it'd be like, in the name of my guy was Doctor Ware. He wasn't Doctor Who. He was Doctor Ware. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. and then like. <laughs> and then like on the front you'd see like the different characters that you'd come in contact with in the book and one was like a stormtrooper another one was like uh you know a lizard man ca- carrying like a he-man scepter you know yeah yeah and it was like and that was just the cover like i drew the cover and then like i drew the thing and then i started on the story and the story had nothing to do with any of those characters it was just like the guys kind of um oh you know what my stories would be cuz i would i would make a lot of these books and they'd all be based on like adventures that my brothers my brother and I would play with their action figures. Like we would play, you know, a real serious adventure with our action figures and then be like, Oh, this is a pretty good adventure. I'm going to turn it into a book. And then I would draw a book and it would, you know, be reminiscent of the adventure that we had when we were camping. That's or so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I remember we used to do such elaborate stories. Like me and my friend would like, would like just talk, talk for a long time with our GI Joes about what the story was going to be and all that stuff. And then get it all set up. Like, okay, he's shipwrecked on this Island and you get out like every other toy that you have, like, like some Fisher price stuff and like some blocks. And you're like putting together like these cities and like all this stuff. And you're making up this whole story. And I can remember distinctly my friend, I don't know what brought this on, but he got this obsession with his character dying, like during the story. And I was like, well, how do we like, what, then what do we do, man? like he's dead like where does the story go from there and it was like i could never understand it he got on this whole kick and it was just like i think it was like towards the end we were getting older or something and i was like i was just i couldn't i couldn't understand it i was like well you, well, you need to get like another guy we need to start this whole story now what's going on with the story man <laughs> totally dude like would your story would your stories like go on over a period of days style or just like one good it would day be of... like one afternoon like one whole story but like one whole like three four hour play session would be like this whole movie plot that we worked out with like the different attacks and the secret passageways you always had like this this one plate that was move and it'd be the secret compartment where stuff was hiding and and sometimes we'd do it outside in the trees like we'd have the bushes in the front yard and we'd get all our gi joes like with grappling hooks and like set it all up like super elaborately with like outdoor forts like i like yeah. that was that was my biggest thing um yeah, was dude. was setting up outside because i grew up in the woods like in a really rural area and that that still is one of my favorite all-time things is like making a sick setup with gi joes in the woods like i could go do that right now for like <laughs> hours like, I, I have my gi joes here i love doing that dude my brother and i still like um like if we ever pass by some spot like in nature or something like oh my god that actually would have would be a good gi joe spot like totally, even now yeah, I totally. see spots, like, that would be good actually yeah, definitely <laughs> but like sometimes we'd set up stuff and we'd spend so much time setting up a, a thing and then we'd be, get done and we're like oh man like I don't know if you need to play the adventure. Like the setup was yeah. Sometimes the so setup would be so epic so and literally take hours. That kind of that yeah. was what you, that was it. <laughs> you know, another thing we did actually too is we we made a conscious decision, especially when we played JoJo's. Like we're like, okay, like is this going to be a serious adventure or a funny adventure? Like yeah. we'd have to decide that first, yeah. right? Yeah. And then if lots of times it would be a funny adventure, and if that's the case, then we'd lay out all the JoJo's in a line, and then we'd lay out all the weapons. And then we would take turns choosing a, a character and then deciding what that character's deal is, like what their 
name is and what their weird deal was, right? Yeah. And and then give them some some props and stuff like that. And we'd go down the line. It would take forever, and then we'd have just super huge comedy comedy battle, comedy just stuff, just people acting crazy. And every single time, when we, when we get to the point where we're like, okay, I think I'm done. Are you done? Is it time? It's like, okay, it's time for the huge explosion to happen the, yes. the nuclear explosion and when the nuclear explosion happens in the middle then we would take take a lot of time making the sound like the like super long explosion yeah, yeah. and we'd, we'd take all we'd be doing that really long and we'd take every character and we'd make them fly through the air in slow motion yeah, slow motion i was like gonna say it's gotta be a <laughs> slow motion dude yeah and then we would set them up in a death position all of them every yeah, single one totally. until we're done we look at the battlefield like every single one of them is in a position that of of being dead and then we have and then it would turn into yeah like the, the air and there'd always be one guy that kind of gets up and he's like oh what happened like he yeah. was under a tank and then he yeah. gets to just explore and see old people that died and be all really sad yeah every single time that would be the end of our every time yeah no it always had to end with one survivor and then also like i would always i would always gear up for like the final battle scene where like you had the one guy who was going in to kill everybody and he had to get as many weapons on him as possible like you'd have like the bazooka toys with like the strap and he'd have like three of those on his arms and then like guns <laughs> in both hands and you know you get the backpack that the knife went in and make sure he had yeah. that backpack and like oh, just just as many as possible <laughs> sounds like what like i would imagine like a D character to look like when he just seems like you have way too much stuff like yeah. it seems like it'd be preposterous looking with all the stuff you have yeah and that would actually you'd actually see that guy yeah oh, man yeah man that was the best now were you obsessed with spooky stuff i guess like every kid is but like one of the things i like to ask people on this pod is what is the spookiest thing that's ever happened to you in your life like like extraterrestrial supernatural do you have a story about something extremely spooky interesting yeah you know what i had i remember as a kid i was i was a really scared kid um like i was really scared of movies i wouldn't watch like any horror movie or anything till i was much older because mm-hmm. i had a, a scarring I, I i had one in sixth grade that i watched it like the summer party and it scarred me this movie it's called Pieces. It was a terrible. Oh my god, that sounds like a scary movie for a kid. Yeah, I saw like The Shining yeah. too young. I saw Pet Cemetery. That movie really got to me. The like the crippled up sister Zelda, like yes, in the corner, exactly. dude. Every freaking yes. time, like every night, yes. I would just be like, "Don't think of Zelda in the corner of my room," and then be like so terrified forever. Dude, that is the exact thing for me too. Like, yeah. and the fact that she would be on the far end of the room and then oh, run really fast. That really was one of the worst things yeah. ever. That was one of them for me too. But, but later on, I I don't know if if this happens when you're really scared as a kid. But like I love like scary movies. Now like I love scary movies, not gory movies, but I really love scary movies. And yeah. so it's one of my favorite things to watch. But as a kid, I feel like so there's one thing that happened when I was a little kid that I remember. It wasn't so scary, but it was like a kind of a ghost encounter that I had, where mm-hmm. it was like I was going to bed. And I felt like my mom come in and sit on the bed next to me, um, and like, cause like she would do that sometimes. And then like, cause I felt the bed go down where she would sit, and I looked down and there was no one there. Oh but it was God. like, I remember feeling weird that there was like someone. It felt like I was sure that someone was sitting there, and so I 
totally freaked out and just like covered my head and just, with the covers and just sweated it out all till morning. And I went down, told my mom, I was like, oh my god. And the next morning, and my grandma had died recently, and my mom was like, oh, it's probably grandma coming to chat with you. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, probably. And then I was fine. I just didn't even care about it at all so it's like it, it scared me that night and then after that like it, it didn't bother me anymore because i thought it was probably grandma but wow that's a good but, spooky story but that was like me as like a little kid so yeah. i don't know how much to like how much i built up on that when i was like as i got older or whatever but right right um, but the other like but the only other thing that i've had happen that like really kind of like i can't explain is like our uh the house in, in queens like we were out at dinner or whatever, and this had started happening. Like the stove would kind of turn on, like a gas stove Whoa. would kind of turn itself on. Like it would have to, you'd have to like kind of switch it, and it would click, and then it would light itself, right? Uh-huh. And we were out at dinner, hanging out, whatever. And then we came home, and we saw that the stove was on and the teapot was on it. We're like, holy crap, dude! We left the stove on, right? And so I went over there, turned it off, and noticed that the teapot was like cold. Wow. So it had just turned on. It had turned on while we were gone. Like, oh, my God. I got chills. That's spooky. I don't get how that could have happened. It's the only time that I truly, like, don't know how to explain how that could have happened. I just don't know. I just wow. don't know. And was that the only time that that happened at that house? No, that happened multiple times with the with the little flame coming on. It was, It happened, like, over a period of two weeks. Wow. <clears throat> And there was also like there was there were a couple other weird signs that had to do with fire that we got that I was like oh my god are we being warned about something you oh know oh my gosh that's crazy because then you kind of are like am I supposed to make a decision based on this here that's like the next level of spookiness like when well, they, do, when does when I do you know. need to rely on the spookiness to survive well this is well this is the tough thing too is that like I'm not very good at riddles I'm not very good at like solving them so if a ghost was coming at me and was like hey like trying to warn me about something through like a ghost riddle. Like, oh I don't know if God. I could solve, I don't know if I could solve it in time to be saved. Oh, you know what I mean? Spooky that's riddles. That's, that's, that's triple spooky. It's like everything depends on this and I'm not even good at it. And the ghost is probably so frustrated. The ghost is like, Oh, come on, dude. I'm like, I, I left all this shit. I'm turning your stove on. I'm doing all this stuff. Like you should know. I'm warning you that a fire is about to happen. Maybe he just like, was trying to get you to drink more tea. Maybe he's like, you need to just really just just relax and enjoy yourself tonight. That was it. That was it, dude. But you know, like one of the other fire things that happened was like, there was this game that we play like called Enchanted Forest. You know that board game? I've never played it. It's super fun, dude. Kids love it. But it's like there's all these little trees um, on the in the forest or whatever, and like under you lift a tree, and then like it's a different thing, like a golden sandal or fire or like uh the crown just different things that you can get and you have to bring it to the king right Mm -hmm. Um, little discs and stuff like that like it's a really fun game but um we lost the one fire one like three years prior right and i had to draw a new fire one to go under that tree you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then uh during that week during those two weeks out of nowhere we came home and that little disc that little fire disc was on top right on top of the tv right as we came in the door like sitting there that is too weird that is extremely spooky like whoa dude it's called the babysitter like dude is is like did you find that like no no like like we didn't have any idea who put it there 
it, I know like it adds up to fire warning, you know, wow. but nothing happened. No fire thing happened. Wow. I don't know. Dang, maybe someone died in a fire or something. Well, no, that place was still there. Yeah, that would no. be hard. That's interesting, but that's that's what's crazy about. I was thinking about that. I was just uh, visiting Brooklyn um, not too long ago and, and staying with my buddy Ron Wimberly, and uh, and and I was just thinking, like, man, it's so crazy that how many people. Like, I was like, how many? He had just moved into this new apartment. And mm-hmm. I was like, how many people have lived in this apartment, this old apartment in New York City where people could be in and out like every year or, or two or three? Like, right. like oh, so many. It's it's amazing just all the lives that have been through there and all the energies that have like left some kind of imprint in there. And, yep. you know, that's a that's, that I in love itself that. is kind of spooky. Yeah, totally. I think I, of, I think of things that. as being spooky quite a lot. I'm like that's why I like living in the woods is because to me the woods are very spooky, and growing up in the woods for me was like very spooky. I was always just aware of that like spooky energy that was going on there, and it's always that thrill of being attracted to it, but also mm-hmm. like wary of it because it kind of feels like anything can happen, you know. And yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So I've always been fascinated with that. I love it. I like to be close to that. I like to keep that in my consciousness. So you've always been into spooky stuff even when you're little. Yeah. Even though you're scared. You're yeah. just like, ooh, I like the feeling. Yeah, I would try to spook myself out in the mirror all the time. Like I'd turn off the lights in the bathroom and get as close to the mirror as I could and like open my eyes all the way and make a wicked scary face and then turn the lights on or turn them off and turn them on and like so you'd get that terror rush. Like Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to try to really spook myself out. Oh, and I because I used to be because it's like Cause I used to be scared of mirrors, like, cause you know, people will just say spooky stuff about mirrors and there's like old, mm. old wives tales or folk tales about mm. mirrors and stuff. So like, I think I would like want to test it kind of like, like I'd be scared by it. And then I'd be like, well, I'm going to see what happens. Cause like I started doing this thing too, where if I was scared and I still do this to this day, like if I'm scared when I would be like out in the woods or something as a kid alone, I, I would just, I would just sit there. If I, if I felt something terror, terror, if I felt a terror, I would mm-hmm. just stand there and I would just go, come and get me, come and get me, come and get me. And because like nothing ever came to get me, I was kind of like, okay, well, I dared you and you didn't. So I think I was always into the daring part Uh-oh. of it too. Like that's a part of it is like going right up to the edge and seeing if there's a reason to be scared and reason to be spooked. So that's part of it for me. It makes sense you're that sort of kid, dude. You're sort of tough, tough, tough kid. Like yeah. I would not be, you, you dare danger to happen. But then the one time, and I, I think I described it on the podcast a couple a couple uh, pods ago, so I won't go go into it. But I did have kind of a similar one to you where I was like, thought I heard my friends in the woods, ran over there, and 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 was in the woods calling for my friends, and then all the voices were all right around me, and I could feel being in the middle of a group of kids but there was nobody there but then when i was face to face with it i booked like i was like like i was like oh my god i just booked the fuck out of there um but yeah that was like the closest that i came to that to really really piercing that veil uh, but it was but as i said when i when i told it before it was like it wasn't a malevolent energy it was a it was a kind of i think a welcoming happy energy Mm -hmm. to it so i always wonder like man like like 
about what would have happened if I just chilled there and stayed. But again, it's like the same thing of when you're a kid, you're like, but how real was it? Like, what was it? But, but I think okay. I do, I think I do really feel like because I, it wasn't, it was a very familiar scenario to, to be in that where I'm just like looking for my friends in the woods and stuff and nothing like that had ever happened. And it felt a very unique and distinct way. So I think there really right. was something special about that experience. So. <laughs> I mean, I dare myself. Like, the only time I do that is like I dare myself, like by looking at windows when I'm when it's nighttime. And I dare to see like a person standing there. Oh like, my god, in. I think about that all the time. This like movie, I look at that, that face in the window. Yeah, like that yeah. old wives' tale about the person putting the puzzle together and then they put the last piece in, or it's like mm-hmm. they they realize it. Do you know this one? No, it's like, okay, so like, this is like one of those spooky stories where a person's like in this house. And I think they're like visiting there or something. It's like some remote cabin and they're out there for some reason. And they're like, they, they find a puzzle and they're bored and they start to put together this puzzle. And then they see that this puzzle is like a picture of inside the place that they're in. And then they're putting together the pieces and then they're in the puzzle. It's like, Oh my God, I'm putting together the pieces of this puzzle. There's a picture of me here doing this. And they put in the final piece and it's a face in the window. And then they look around and the person smashes through the window and murders oh, that. Oh, that's really good. I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, I was always wicked spooked out. Yeah, it's one of those like monkey's paw type of stories. I think it might have yeah. been in one of those books of like spooky. You know, spooky, scary stories like the monkey's paw, and uh, and and yeah, always well, just was obsessed dude. with. Could not get those stories out of my head as a kid. You know, I don't know yeah. if it's because I grew up in the woods and like, I don't know. I don't know if the woods are more spooky than a city. I really don't know. I mean, it's I guess in, the guess, spookiest thing for sure. Yeah, but you know what? But the thing, like, one of the reasons why I I was legitly scared of the of the window thing. Like, I mean, everyone is obviously, but my mom had that happen to her. Oh my she, god. She, and and because we were like – she would always tell me the story like where she was downstairs in the basement of their house watching TV and she glanced over at the sliding glass door and there was like a man like standing there with oh his my. hands on the thing. It was raining outside and he was like <gasps> standing and she's like, ah, and like oh ran God, upstairs. That's so scary. And like got her, her dad and her dad came down to check it out with a bat or whatever and opened the door. There was nobody there but there were footprints in the mud oh and stuff my out God. there and everything. So it happens, dude. People might just be there and looking yeah. in just to check it out. Yeah. Maybe not to be malicious even, but just, oh, God. Yeah. So oh, I, my it's, God. It's, it's so definitely scary. a possibility, dude. Yeah, and I used to think about that all the time. It's funny because now I live in the woods, you know, it's very remote and could be potentially very spooky to be here alone. And I and I lived in my, my first cabin that I built was even really more remote in a way because there was nobody for quite a ways. Like I was the only person living on this. My my cousin had this had this uh, property. Like I got out of college and I moved back to New Hampshire. And then uh, shortly after coming out of school, I started you know hanging out with my friends and stuff. And and uh, one of my buddies had bought all this property and, and it ended up, you know, giving me the opportunity. I started helping him build cabins up there and he gave me the opportunity to build my first cabin up there and kind of test out the homesteading thing. And he wasn't living up there at the time. So I was the only person up on this mountain and, you know, it would take me 15 minutes to walk to where anybody else was. There was one other house where at the bottom of the road, the neighbors lived there, but it was extremely remote. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I would be there alone 
all the time up there and I didn't have a cell phone at the time or anything like that because I was kind of anti-cell phone and uh, this was before I ever got my first cell phone this was like 2000 this was been like 2004 or whatever this actually would have been around the time that we met this is before, yeah. So this is before you went to L.A. Yeah, this was right before I went to L.A. So I was living in this cabin for a couple of years, and I would be up there alone all the time. And of course, like when you're in the woods, there's all kinds of spooky, crazy shit that's happening. You're hearing animals do stuff out there, and because I was up on this mountain, actually voices would 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 waft up all the time, and like. And, like, these people would probably be a couple miles away, but because of the way that the sound went, because mm-hmm. I was on top of this mountain, it would it would sound like they were right out in the woods, just, That's like, crazy. right there. So I would go out all the time and look, and then I realized, like, okay, these are just voices from down there. But um, but to to really to really do that and to live up in the woods up there alone, I really had to completely conquer like the the real terror and fear that you can be gripped by. Like so now I could almost yeah. like now I could really go out and be in a lot of spooky situations without it letting without it getting the better of me. Because before that, it could get the better of me, and I would sort of be too scared to maybe do something like that. And then I was just like, I got I'm gonna do this, man. I'm just gonna live up here alone and like. I'm going to mm-hmm. conquer the spookiness of it. And I, and I did. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Cause when I was, cause oh, the reason I was thinking of that is cause back in the day, I remember, I don't know if this was directly related to children of the corn, but I remember watching children of the corn and then oh, like dude. just seeing like where people would live in a farmhouse surrounded by a cornfield with nothing else around. I was like, those people are out of their minds for living in that situation. Like I would just sit there and be look out in the cornfield and picture Malachi or whatever coming out of there with the fucking knife and like lose yeah. my fucking mind like i couldn't imagine ever living in a in like where you couldn't see another house and like there was spooky stuff around you specifically <laughs> corn like the, the corn seems so spooky corn. the children yeah, of the corn I... stephen king obviously had a huge <laughs> like like being that being that i grew up in the woods of new england and that he writes about the spookiness of the woods of new england most of the time i think that had a giant impact on me growing up Dude, oh yeah, right, because you're like right near that. Oh my god, I think that had an impact on a lot of people. Those yeah. stories too. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. Children of the Corn movie, actually, the beginning scene where the children murder all the adults in that town, that still is like an incredibly, I think, like Im- intense, impacting scene. Like I still haven't seen a a movie that like that, like that captures that quite that much where just all these children come in and murder all the adults in this town all at once like that's still pretty spooky it is yeah definitely dude that's a like, movie actually that i didn't see till way later because yeah. i was avoiding all scary movies but yeah i didn't see it till later yeah my but... parents wouldn't let me watch them but i would go over to the friends houses whose parents would let us watch them and they'd be like we'd just be like, i'd just be like let's watch predator again or like you know just like over and over again just watch all these insane movies <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, like The Shining and stuff. And that, that movie definitely got me, too, because the kid was named Danny. And I looked just like that when I was a, when I was a kid, kind of, with that same 80s haircut and all that. Yeah, and I was like, that felt way too real for me. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, because that was kind of remote as well. That That's kind of the spookiness of that one. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, having yeah. to escape, having to get back to the the this human world from this spirit realm that's definitely like a common theme dude yeah man i, I man i i would be i mean i do like i mean I, yeah the, i love 
I mean, I love camping. I love being in the forest and everything. But that is one thing. Whenever you leave the campfire to go out into the forest is when you kind of are like, ah, whoa, dude. Like, it does feel kind of remote at that time. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, no, to be alone at night in the woods, to be spending a lot of nights alone in the woods is definitely spooky. I like I like to that's, – that's actually one of the reasons why I like to get people to do Ghost Scout training camp too. There's a certain amount of just I like that I know that – like a lot of people haven't been in the woods and that they're going to be spooked out. Like they're, and we right. try to do some, just like we try to tell some spooky stories and things like that too. And like, I love I the love idea it. that like these people are experiencing the spooky, really realizing that when it gets dark in the forest, that the whole world really becomes spooky. And now we're part of it together. I love that part of it. Have you ever had anybody at scout camp that really truly was frightened of that aspect of it? Mm, I don't think so. Not outwardly. Like we've, <laughs> We had some time, some like events, like some, some, like some crashing in the woods that scared somebody or like, like there's been a couple times that one of my dogs has gotten loose and like, like been up there at night and like hunting around the cabins for, or around the, around the tents for food. And like, mm-hmm. this is insane to me. I think it happened last year on one of the last nights. It was last year or the year before on one of the final nights that my dog got loose and and everybody got up the next morning and they they were like they were like they none of them had slept they had all thought that a bear was in the was in the camp all night and they were all like in their knives in their tents with like knives ready but none of them came out i'm like none of you guys just popped your head out to see what it was like i can't believe no one investigated it they were all like super spooked out for like hours Uh, i thought that just cracked me up that was the greatest i was like man that's great i was like i should just let the dogs loose like one night in camp because they'll go right up there because they know when the campers are up there there's gonna be food up there to find so God, All now night. people are going to know that All that's going to happen. It was just dog buffet. It was just... But you I never think... know, you know, you never know. <laughs> I, would, I don't think I would have checked it out either. Oh, yeah, I would definitely poke my head out because you don't... Because actually, if a bear... Well, we don't have spooky bears around here, but there are the bears that do come after people. Like, uh, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, and he has one story that he always tells about this guy that he knows that went bear hunting for the first time and was attacked by a grizzly bear in his tent the first night. And then the guys, the guys with him go in to try to shoot the bear and end up shooting the kid in the hand. And then eventually they, the bear runs into another person's tent and they eventually do shoot the bear. But this kid got attacked by a bear and shot on his first hunting trip. So that is, that is very intense. I wonder if he ever went, I wonder if he ever went camping or hunting again. (laughs) See, I wonder if he, he must've had something in his tent though, right? not supposed to have well no because the bear was going for people grizzly bears eat people what dude yeah yeah yeah. grizzly bears grizzly bears stalk and eat people they'll wait uh, for you and they'll go in to eat you no yeah oh 100 percent. people get stalked and eaten by grizzly bears that's a real thing so you would be setting up your tent and camping and then grizzly bear would smell you and go in and try to eat you like straight up yes Yep, they would charge in and and try to eat you. Yeah, they would stalk you. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a real danger for for hunting in because some people some people like when you hunt in grizzly bear areas and they're attracted by like if you get a deer or something, um, that's a real danger. You have to have someone that's watching because you won't. They're they're even though they're huge animals, they'll get right up on you. They'll charge in and you will have no chance. So, a lot of times they'll have to have another person watching for grizzlies while they process the deer real quick or the elk or whatever it is 
Right. Yeah, that's a real thing. That's like a real danger. And just, you know, being being very aware in your camp of, you know, of of, uh, of, of a bear that might be able to get in there and stuff. People take precautions against it. Did you have, uh, do you have grizzlies up there? No, no, I'm glad we don't. No, there's nothing really, we have coyotes, uh, we don't have wolves, we don't have grizzlies. Um, there's not really supposed to be mountain lions, although once in a while people will say that there's like a mountain lion around, but, you know, it's like sort of on a mythological level still if there are there are so so few and far between that and and also yeah. game is so abundant here that i don't think it'd be something that people would really need to worry about um we definitely have bears we have bears on this property for sure i see their signs all the time but they're like they're they're bears that don't eat they're not carnivorous or at least right. towards people you know so and you you've never seen them though I've seen them. I've seen them, but I've I've seen the only time I've seen a bear here since we lived here was was crossing. It was running out of our woods across the road and across the street. So I just saw one trucking it across the road, and I saw trucking. I've seen a coyote do that too. Um, right. But yeah, you almost never see them. You can you can yeah you can. I see the bear scat. I see the bear prints, and I see where they climb the trees and stuff. You can see their scrapes. Mm. They're claw scrapes on the trees because they'll go up to eat the beech nuts and stuff. We have the beech trees and they'll eat the beech nuts up there. Um, and... So you must be a good tracker. Well, actually, if I want to ask you about being a tracker, but I have a, uh, I have a bear story. Like I oh yeah, I encountered a bear before. Oh really? I saw it at Mount Mount Whitney, uh-huh. like because I was in scouts and so uh, we did a lot of camping and scouts and it was like. Uh, um, which I loved. I loved scouts so much. Um, but like we, it was like a week and a half long kind of trip where you, you pack with everything that like, you know, you pack in everything and, and it's all above, above the tree line. So you have to have bear watch. You can't really bear back your food or anything like that, you know? And so we take turns all night, like being on bear watch or whatever. And, uh, one night I was on bear watch with my buddy Ross and we heard like way far off. We heard a whistle, you know, going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, dude, just I wonder if that's that camp is having a tough time bear or something because there weren't really that many people camping. We yeah. just camp wherever you want. Um, and then we saw down the hillside, we thought we saw like a dark shadow kind of rolling down the hill, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we felt like the ground like trembling, Whoa. like trembling so much. And, uh, and then we saw the, a mother bear cruising through the tents with these two baby bears just kind of sniffing all the tents, you oh know, my gosh. checking it out. And I was like, ah, oh! and started kicking the scoutmaster's tent. I'm like, oh, the bear. Right there. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. Like, and, the, and the scoutmaster's like, didn't even get out of his tent. He's like, oh, dude, just make, she's like, just make noise. Just throw rocks at it. And I'm like, right. what? What? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, started throwing rocks and, and we started smashing all of our pots and pans and, like, ruining the pots and pans, just annihilating them and, like, and throwing rocks. And eventually they really just kind of just left. They turned around. Yeah. They didn't even, like, really growl or do anything. They just kind of, like, kept going. Yeah, most of the time That's if you tough. encounter the yeah, the non like human carnivorous bears, they just they don't want anything to do with you. They're just taking off. They don't want any of that heat. These guys are stiff in the tent. They're definitely like, ah, oh, maybe there's human beings in here. Yeah. Well, yeah, they like all the food, right? They're definitely down for the food, especially if they're acclimated to it. That's the cool thing about the about the wildlife here too is it's not acclimated to people really. You know, they don't we they, they don't have any interaction. 
you know, any, they all, they, it's, it's really separate. They're in their own world and we're in our own world here. And it doesn't, you know, the, the bears and the coyotes, they don't really cross over much. We right. hear the coyotes. The coyotes can be extremely spooky. They make the spookiest noises of all in the woods that are almost incomprehensible. Um, like I'll, I'll wake up some nights and it literally sounds like there is like a cult of witches screaming and cackling in the woods oh, outside. Geez. Like Athena would wake up and she'd be like, what the fuck is that? And I just feel that like if you can't, if horrible. you can't figure out what it is, it's the coyotes. Cause they make the weirdest noises and they're always <laughs> out there sounding off. So it's pretty cool oh, though. Yeah. I love it. I love hearing the coyotes. It's super magical. That certainly sounds worse than like wolves howling. I would think. Yeah, I mean, they probably, I mean, I think they're so related that they probably make, because they have the classic coyote, they have the coy, they have the classic howls and stuff too, but they just can make a very wide range of noises that are very strange. One thing that's cool is is that, um, I don't know whether it's ravens or crows or both, but they make that exact predator noise, that like clicking that the predator makes, like when, oh, yeah, like right, when it's hunting, the, they make that exact noise. They must have just lifted that noise from, uh, from those birds in the movie because that's exactly the noise they make, and it makes me think of the predator every time, and I love it. <laughs> me too. There's a sound in the New York cabs that, like the ticker or something like that, something is the exact sound that reminds me of predator as well. Yeah. Or something else. No, maybe it wasn't that. Oh, you know, it was. I think it was in Lost, actually. Oh, Lost. yeah, with like the with like the smoke monster, and it would have that clicking or whatever. Yeah, I think that's what that was. Yeah, but I don't remember. Yeah, but yeah, man. Oh, and so you came, like we said, uh, to Ghost Scout Training Camp. Now, what were what do you, what are your memories of Ghost Scout Training Camp? Oh my God, it was like. Well, I loved that you guys would wake up at like 6 a.m. and listen to the jock jams and do all your workouts like i just love that so much yeah but like um it, it just i remember it being like a lot of hard work everyone working hard it and then you know digging that trench it was i think they were working yes on, it was year too we talked about this yeah. with celia uh a few episodes back the year of the trench yeah because you you had found like a pipe of to the ghost to an old uh spring i was yeah. like oh my god it's so cool yeah, so you yeah we're digging the trench lower so that you can have it be unfreezable or something exactly. like that. Yeah. And um and it was like looked like hard work, dude. Everyone oh, was like, it was. And then uh but it was fun because it was that and then um at the second half of the day it was just everyone relaxing, eating lunch, or everyone goes and eats their lunch. And that was when we had lunch or whatever. And then the second half of the day everyone worked on their work, like you you would work on your work because you seem very you impressed me with how disciplined you seem to be with your own work getting your own work done in addition to running this camp mm-hmm. and then uh, the second half everyone worked on their own stuff quietly in like around different fires in the camps and like the little teepees you guys made it was like such a wonderful scene dude I was so excited about it and um I de- I definitely remember that and then talking to everybody and having a good time but and then Fridays of course. I think it was Friday, right? When it was movie night and like the, the shack, was it the shack barbecue or something? Where yeah, yeah, play? on Saturdays. Yeah, Wednesdays and Saturdays we were doing the movie nights. We do the movie nights and then, yeah, we have the shack cookout where we listen to the, the, uh, the, one of the most important albums ever released, Shack Diesel from 1993. We just listened to that album on repeat and that's how you get a shack cookout. <laughs> you do that. 
every single time you listen to the same record on repeat. Dude. Yes, That's yes. And, and with like, oh god. Yeah, and now we now we only do one shack cookout a week because um, to to do to do two cookouts a week for a month actually everybody just gets burnt out on the meat on the level of meat that you're eating. It actually starts to be a little bit too much. Um, you might think the listening to the Shack album that much would be the problem, but actually it's not. It's the meat. But so now we actually now we actually only have one Shack cookout a week, which I feel like is a good balance. But it's a staple. Like that is, and and uh, lots of scouts when they leave camp, they get the Jock Jam CD, and you better believe that they get that Shack Diesel CD, and they're loving it. I think it really creates a response where when you hear that album now. You gotta get yourself right. a hamburger or a hot dog, you know. Yeah, it's, it's deeply <laughs> ingrained. It's such a good idea. And then, like the the movies you guys that you chose were awesome too. I, I wasn't Predator, I don't think, but what were some of the ones? We, we definitely Commando? Predator. Predator is Predator is a staple. We usually get Commando in. We we definitely do a lot of heavy Arnold. Um, now we also do a lot of, we try to get like a lot of, uh, animated movies in. So now we're doing like Tekken Concrete and Akira and we mix it up a little bit every year too. There's some that like kind of have to be there for like, for posterity, you know, like, like Predator and stuff that are just so much, uh, part of the Ghost Scout experience that you need some yeah. of that Arnold Schwarzenegger in your life here. Again, that nostalgia, right? Like, like training yep. camp is basically like, like, you know, I made the Ghost Scouts as kind of a goof between me and my friends. We called ourselves the Ghost Scouts when I was building that first cabin and stuff. And then once once I started to become more of a uh, notorious illustrator, people were like, how do we join the Scouts? How do we join the Scouts? And then so I was like, all right, I'm going to make this summer camp, and it's just going to be all my favorite stuff. You know, it's going to be like the yeah. stuff that I would do in the woods, like building forts in the woods as a kid drawing with my friends you know watching arnold schwarzenegger movies you know having the and then mm-hmm. the shack you know the like when that shack album came out in 92 or 93 like i traded for the tape of that with my friend like i love that album it's like so heavily based on like nostalgia for me um that that's the that's the whole thing uh-huh. so yeah Dude, that's that's so <laughs> good and I, that's definitely the thing that i loved about the most is that you definitely see you through every aspect of it you know yeah, like yeah every every part of it and the fact that everyone loved it like everyone was so happy to be experiencing you it was kind of like a good testament to like you know who you are you know your interests are and if people like what you do and people like you as a person or whatever like it's why not like have like have have them experience you completely you know and like and get into that zone like that like that's i was really pumped on that yeah. so much yeah and i think you know i think it really started out being that and then now also because it's going to be year seven and so many people have come through you know i think it started out being really pure my nostalgia now i think there's so much stuff built into it and it's become mm-hmm. so powerful because it's all these other people's nostalgia now Two people are like yo we got to do this and watch this movie and i'm like yes that yes that movie you know it's like exactly so now there's right. so many layers of it you know it's like i kicked it off really not knowing <laughs> whether it people would be interested whether people would leave you know i was like i'll just Mm -hmm. try it you know but who knows i mean people could have come and then been like this what is happening here i'm out of here you know because there's you know it's Mm -hmm. definitely a very different experience but the fact that people have enjoyed the experience and then and then so much so that they want to come back and be a part of it that's i think what Mm -hmm. makes it what truly makes it so special you know it was sort of one-dimensional when it was just my thing and now it's taken off and become so much of a larger thing that you know now it's powerful its power cannot be denied 
Dude. Well, that yeah, I mean, when I was talking about like creating like my favorite aspect of of uh, of making things is is like having those shows and stuff where people can come and experience something together like and and you're with them like that's kind of a similar thing like you're creating like an experience that people come and like they're completely engulfed in this energy and like and you're so consistent with that energy like that powerful energy of an adventurous energy of that camp that like everyone else is kind of adding to it and they know kind of what goes with that feeling like they're like oh we gotta watch this movie we gotta do this because there's there's already that theme and mood and like kind of that feeling of almost like a world that you created or like a movie that you created that people are kind of experiencing like i like i remember feeling like oh my like super jealous that like I wish I thought of it and I wish I I want to create something like that. Like it's a that in itself is almost more exciting than coming up with a book or doing something like that, like creating an experience like that. Like and having it be consistently around this theme and mood and feeling is ugh. Yeah, that was kind of my idea. Almost like you're stepping into a, like an illustrated creative world. Like you like you're really that, yeah. that that's kind of the idea of Ghost Scout Training Camp is like ugh. is like creating that in real life you know then that's the most exciting thing to me and just living because that was my idea i was like what if i just like made every facet of my life as creative as possible and that's what like building my own house and living in the woods for the nostalgia and all that stuff and then having this training Mm -hmm. camp where all these amazing people from all over the world come every year and we're like doing all these wacky adventures like just you know it's that thing where i just go what is the coolest It's just like when I'm drawing, I'm like, what's the coolest drawing I can think up? And I started to think, well, what if I could just do that with my whole life? Like, what if, what is the cool, what is the coolest idea I can think of to live my whole life as, as this work of creativity? And and that, and then it was a no brainer to be like getting my own property and just doing this stuff. And then training camp took off. And then it's like, man, it's like the, and the coolest thing about all this stuff is, once you get all this stuff was just a wild dream at one point, right? And then you get it and you're there. And then once you're living in the first wild dream, then you get to dream an even wilder dream and you just get to keep going. And now there's all these people dreaming within this wild dream. So it's like, mm. it's truly, I think it really starts. That's how, that's how you really start to shift reality around you, you know, around me and mm-hmm. around all the people involved in it. And of course, you know, you being involved in it and, and, uh, man, it's so amazing. I think that's it's truly amazing. what it is to be a human being. You know, I, I'm always trying to yep. tell people like we're creative animals living in this infinite universe. So like, what can you, what can you do? Like it's really limited only by your imagination and your, your, how, how far you want to take that leap of faith. Like how, how motivated mm-hmm. are you to just leap in and go, this sounds so cool. What if I try it? <laughs> you know, right. that's my yeah. whole thing. Dude, you know my like the two I would say two of my biggest inspirations uh, on on creating like this sort of thing would be uh would be Jim Henson and Walt Disney. Those yeah. are the two guys I think that did that better than anybody. And and I think like what one thing I wanted to mention was I don't know, have you ever been to that Disney Walt Disney Family Museum that was in No, I in just heard about studio? this though. I just heard about this. You did? Oh, dude. Did you talk about it on the show already? No, no, oh. no, not at all. You gotta go, dude. You gotta check it out. It's one of the most inspiring places, like ever, because it's so comprehensive of his whole life and everything. And they set it up like, um, like he would with Disneyland. He would have like, uh, like everything is like very interactive, and like the frames, the walls, the ceilings, everything feels like you're kind of part of his life, that part of his story or whatever. Wow. But the most inspiring thing is how you see 
his interests and how he turned his interests into something yeah. like that other people could experience. Like he was really into like there's one whole room about like miniature like dollhouse stuff. At one point he was really into miniature things. Yeah. So he like loved making these little scenes and he was traveling around with this like show that it was like all these miniature like scenes. Like that was the the big thing. This is before Disneyland and everything. And and then he was really into these like into steam engines and things like or like little little um, trains and stuff, and he wanted to figure out how to make an amusement park based on like these trains so people can go through it. But but he but the story of Disneyland is so awesome because like because uh, because like amusement parks prior to Disneyland were kind of uh, you know like uh, fairs and stuff like a little bit you know a little ghetto a little kind of down you know like uh, like not as like like high higher end things you can experience you know like yeah and they were and, probably all on a similar track. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like like a model. It, there was a model to it. Exactly. Right. 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 Exactly. And but his whole deal was like wanting to um, wanting to um, create something where every square inch of the experience takes you out of your own world. Like yeah. so, like the trash can, the ground, like everything was in the theme of whatever that uh, part of the world was supposed to be. Yeah. Like such a good idea. And like it was so important to him to have every square inch of it be part of it. Yeah. Um, and I was so inspired by that. That was so inspiring. That's and so I feel cool. like both he and Jim Henson are so good at like creating those sorts of experiences. And Jim Henson too, when he creates his worlds, like he's definitely like there's a great exhibit at Museum of Moving Image in in Queens actually. It's it's a permanent exhibit on Jim Henson. Oh wow! And you can see like all the stuff that he made and, and like all the worlds that he just kind of explores. Um, oh my god, it's awesome! Wow, those two guys really blow me away. But that's I, so cool love to do that sort of thing man i i love that you do you basically are doing that you know yeah yeah well i think we both have very similar i think that our our work is obviously very distinct from one another but i think we come from very similar places with very similar philosophies with with what we like to do and how we like to do it so i think that's one of the reasons why we click so much i agree i think so sweet man all right well we gotta wrap it up there we got an hour and 20 minutes in the books and i gotta jump up the hill to pick up wolfie from the bus stop so uh Right on, so dude. We'll have to cap it off, but of course, as you are my friend, and this podcast is uh, the Ghost Room of Friends, we're gonna have you back. So this is just the beginning. It is just the beginning, dude. Let's do it. it. I love talking to you, man. Yeah, I know it's great, man. And of course, we'll so have to fun. get you back uh, to Ghost Scout Training Camp as a visiting artist. We were just talking about right. that before we potted it up. So we'll continue to work on that. Um, so sure. where can people find you? Um, my, uh, website, just so I kind of revamp my website. So I have, it's scottc.com. It used to be pyramidcar.com, but now it's scottc.com. Nice. Um, so you can see my work there and then Scott C shop is where you could get like prints and books and pins and all those things. Um, and my handle is Scott Lava, S-C-O-T-T, hot, like hot lava, basically. Yeah. Um, that's my, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. All so right. Those things, and that's pretty much everything. All right, fantastic, man. Well, we can uh, click over here, and we'll uh, we'll say bye off the air. But you can say bye to all the listeners. Thanks, man. See you later, everybody. You're the best. That's what I'm talking about. You come here for inspiration, and it is delivered right into the depths of your soul through your earbuds you know what i'm saying so hope everybody enjoyed that conversation as much as i know me and scott c did 
nothing like get in on the old Skype with your friends who live somewhere else in the world and just chew in on that old beef jerky. I know I feel very satiated, very satisfied with that. Um, Scott C. has a new book out called Splendid Life, a new art book. He, this dude's got art books, you know what I'm saying? This guy's doing everything. Um, and uh, actually, I have a blurb on the back of the book, so uh, you can check that out. Um, and uh, very honored to be asked to do the blurb for his book and that he chose to do it. I gave him three different ones, and uh, but he picked the, my first pick, saying how jealous I am that his work is so good. Um, so, uh, it's nice to be, it's nice to have friends that make you jealous of their work because they're so good because you need that to push yourself, uh, to go harder and further and, you know, come up with, oh man, I got, he's got those. Oh man, he came up with that idea. How do you get that idea? It's so good. Now I got to come up with some good ideas. All that great cycle of inspiration shit that we talk about all the time, positive pressure, um, and, uh, and, and just always excited to see what this dude's going to do next. Always inspiring. So, uh, we'll have him back. You know, there's so many topics we could touch on with him. He's had just a, such a great career and done so much in it. So really go and just enjoy his work. You know, th- he has some of the most really just easy to enjoy artwork out there. So nice. It just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, you know, and I love it. And my family loves it. My children love it, for gosh sakes. Give this man a Caldecott, will you? Um, So uh, let's see. Uh, I think we got everything else pretty well covered. Um, And we got the uh, Patreon shout-outs, you know what I'm saying? The ever-growing list of people that have taken it upon themselves to support this podcast um, cannot thank you enough. Obviously, all the one dollar members, sh- 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 shout out every dollar counts. Um, enjoy checking out all that new material. You know what I'm saying? For only one dollar, you get early access to this podcast two days early on the Patreon page, and uh, that's great. You know what I'm saying? So, you're supporting us, you're supporting me, and <laughs> just me. You're only supporting me, uh, but uh, and also my family, right? And and my friends through default, because this is going out, and you're supporting yourself. You're getting inspiration. You are supporting one of the artists that you love so that I can keep creating artwork and podcasts and all this shit, right? That's how it works. So, I cannot thank everybody enough for showing love um, to the pod and uh and and everything beyond uh and then of course we've got uh for the two dollar level you get yourself a juicy beef stew shout out you know what i'm saying and on one side we got the we got the we got the beef beef stew and on the other side you know we got the vegan beef stew because you know we got all those vegan fans out there you know we got all those vegan ghost scouts uh, you got to respect the contingent, you know, that's how we do it. Um, but, uh, and of course we always start the top of the list here, um, with the people that have gone above and beyond and seen that $2 level and said, no, you know what? I need to, I need to give a little bit extra, uh, each episode because the, the Ghost Ripper Friends podcast is something that I love every week and i want to make sure it keeps rolling you know what i'm saying so right at the top of the list we got my girl sarah ball straight out the 12-week online group workshop in the alumni group right now you know what i'm saying shout out to my girl 
at the $5 per podcast level. Oh, it just makes my heart happy. Uh, we got none other than Yvonne Santiago, also coming in at that $5 level. Get yourself some beef stew. Um, of course, new contributor, the homie, Raphael Tangho. Big shout outs. Much respect to the homie. Get yourself some beef stew, my brother. Uh, we got... Zeta on the ones and stews coming in for that beef stew swooping in to get a couple of handfuls of beef stew you know sometimes you got to grab and dash you got you know you just you're 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 running a race and instead of instead of instead of uh, a cup of water Someone's standing there. You got the Ghost Scouts rooting for you. Someone's there with a with a with a bowl of beef stew. You just scoop your hand in there as you go by, and you just you just slather that beef stew on your face, and you lick it off through the rest of the race. That's how you do it. Uh, big shout out to my man Alec Wright. Get yourself some beef stew, my friend. Uh, big shout out to Uncle Terry. No, my man's hungry for some beef stew because he's making that album right the sun blew out that i just did the album cover for big shout outs love how this network just grows and grows and grows there's there's friends on here there's clients on here there's ghost scouts on here there's co-workers on here you know what i'm saying from various projects i love it you know the the it's a ghost shrimp and friends podcast and i talk with my friends on here but also everyone that listens to this podcast everyone that supports this podcast you are also the friends in the ghost shrimp and friends podcast let's keep it growing you know what i'm saying friends i want you to go out and tell a friend tell more friends about this podcast if you have a friend that would love this podcast Send it to them. Take the minute right now to send this episode of the podcast to someone that you think would love it. Okay? Let's keep it rolling. Let's spread these good vibes and get everybody out there just chasing their dreams. You know, that's the name of this. By pulling you behind the curtain, by demystifying the process of, of just getting in there, being creative, and making a life for yourself, creating your own reality through your own passions, through your own interests, right? That's what the that's what this voice of this podcast is all about to inspire people to follow their artistic creative dreams and all your dreams even beyond artistic creatives you know maybe some people on here aren't even listening that maybe they don't even draw and shit maybe they listen for other reasons maybe they're just fans whatever you know what I'm saying but this is still to you no matter what you're doing out there Trust me, you're the only person living your life. You want to live it based on the interests and the passions that you have. Follow those. Your destiny is following your interests, following your passions, reading those secret clues. You will unlock the key to your destiny. You know, not you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have challenges. You know, everybody does. We all know about mine. Check out episode 10, all right? I'm a total fuck up, right? And if I did it, y'all can do it too, right? All right, we got a big shout out going to another workshop, uh, another workshopper, the final week of the workshop right now. This is, we did the 12th assignment. This week is the end of the third round of the 12 week online group workshop. People are getting on the list, on the email list uh, for the for for the next rounds that are happening in the fall and the winter. Um, the, that email list is growing. You know what I'm saying? A couple more people joined this week. So pretty soon we're going to have enough people to really sell this thing out so it might be sold out before it even really goes on sale so if you want to get in this workshop i'll get on this email list if i were you 
Uh, big shout out to Alejandro Fuentes. Killing the 12 week online group workshop right now. This dude, Los Focos, he has not missed one assignment. You know what I'm saying? He's killed it every single week. Uh, on top of having a full time art career already, on top of having a family, big shout outs. Nothing more inspiring than seeing the people around me just just chase their creative dreams you know that's why i do the ghost scouts that's why i do the workshop that's why i do all this stuff that's why i do the podcast to immerse my life in creativity being about that inspiration life you know talking about it living it seeing it cultivating it propagating it all of that inspiring it being inspired by it i'm just repeating myself right now uh, big shout out to my man, Steve Winfield Meyer. Get yourself some beef stew. Uh, yet another workshopper, Johnny Glides. Wrapping up the workshop this week. Cannot wait to have the big group Skype with everybody. Having a party at the end of this thing because everybody's killed it. Uh, we got more beef stew going around. Who's hungry? I know my man Gerard Jones is here for the beef stew. He's coming back for more. Okay, we're not coming for first. We're not coming for seconds. We're coming for 30 seconds because this is the 30 second episode. You know what I'm saying? And you know I'm going to, uh, you know, we've had so many guests on lately. I'm going to come back with the Q&A. Don't worry. If y'all got questions for me, hit me up. I know I know Jessica Kakadani's got questions. I know Rebecca from the internet's got questions. You know, I have not forgotten your questions. I remember. Um, if, if I have forgotten your questions and I haven't mentioned it in a while, get at me. I will try to answer all the questions that people send to me. Um... Let's see, uh, where were we? Uh, my man, Michael Broncado. Big Beef Stew shout out, my friend. Uh, big shout out to all capital letters, Wastezoid. Love it. Uh, big shout out to your stop motion animator and mine, friend of the podcast. He's got his own episode, Anthony God, he's worked on every stop motion animated movie that you love. So check him out. You know what I'm saying? Big shout out to Ghost Scout Computer Person, a.k.a. Lermy. Get yourself some vegan beef stew, my friend. See you soon. Once the scouting season begins, you know what I'm saying? People come to the ghost, people are coming to the Ghost Scout Summit the first weekend in June. All scouts are invited for a week of recreation, right? It doesn't get any better than this. We're living the creative dream. We are thinking up the dopest shit that we can do every day in our lives, and we're living it. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Scott C., come to the summit, my brother. I forgot. Did we talk about that? I think we might have forgotten about that, Scott C. Come to the summit, dude. Uh, j first weekend in June. Right, Wednesday to Wednesday, built around the first weekend in June. Um, big shout out to Shambe Right. Big shout out. Get yourself some beef, 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 beef stew. Big shout out to Otto Heaney Illustration. Get yourself a bowl of beef stew now. Eat it up, eat it up, cause you feel good. Uh, big shout out to Michael Garcia. 
Uh-oh, here we go. Coming in from New Zealand, we got Ghost Scout Sports Magic, a.k.a. Daniel Foothead. Uh, Dr. D. Foothead on social media. Check out his animations. They are dope. Another workshop alumni. Big shout out to Alexi Giroux. Much respect. Much respect. Uh, big shout out to Jesse Moynihan. I support his Patreon, you know what I'm saying, forming. And of course, we worked on Adventure Time together. And he has one of the most popular episodes of this very podcast. So go check it out. And now we've got the rating, defending, Ghost Scout Training Camp, Camp Champion, John Mansfield, a.k.a. Beard Lips. Big shout-outs to the homie. Big shout-outs to award-winning director of The Little Prince and Kung Fu Panda, Mark Osborne. Oh, man, how many weeks? It's only like a month Till we get neighbor Mark Osborne moving in. Ha, 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 Does this life stop getting any better? Because I don't think so. Ha, 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 ha. Let's see. Big shout out to my man, Bark the Dog. If you're going to Mocha this weekend, um, uh, for the Patreon listeners anyway, because this comes out on Friday, uh, if you're in the New York City area, hit up Mocha. Go find my man Alexander Lansing, a.k.a. Ghost Scout Dusty Lupus. He'll be chilling with Ghost Scout Psych Lord. Uh, they're tabling over there, and uh, tell them Ghost Shrimp sent you, and you're going to get on the podcast. You're going to get a shout-out, but you might already have one. Uh, big shout-out to Arguably Art. Get yourself some beef stew. No one's going hungry today. Uh, and, of course, we've got over in Denmark, my man, Try Man Hunt. And last but not least... Jesse Kokoka Donnie. Much respect to all the listeners, all the supporters of the podcast. Oh my God, we're just blowing out the mic on this and just racking up the time. I guess we'll get to a certain point on this with these shout outs that we actually have to split them up over multiple podcasts because like it's hard not to just drag these things into the two-hour territory now with all the shout outs the episodes that i do solo will definitely be shorter so i guess just like you know i don't know but i guess if it keeps growing if we sustain all this success everybody you know we're gonna have maybe have to start breaking it up i guess that's what people do right last podcast on the left they have like thousands of supporters and so they break them up over all the different podcasts so should we be so fortunate? You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, we got the we got the inspirational messages here always and forever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, please use this podcast as a as a as an inspirational tool for you each week. Set goals for yourself. Okay, you have the opportunity each and every day, each and every week, each and every month to really make incremental improvements in your life, you know what I'm saying, by by making a plan, creating a vision of really who you want to be, what you want to do, take the time to do that so that you can really start to direct your habits and your routines, you know, you can start to streamline those towards, 
your most important goals. You know, even if you're even if you're at a rough spot, even if you're at the bottom right now, you can always set a little goal for yourself. You know, do a, do one drawing. Um, email one client you'd love to work with, right? Do a little workout, go for a run, go for a bike ride, do the things that you've been meaning to do. You know what I'm saying? Do the things that interest you the most. What's your passion? If you didn't have to do any, if you didn't have any responsibilities in life, what would you be doing right now? And schedule some time this week to do just that. Don't let it slip by, you know, make sure you're hydrated at the end of the day. Make sure you are, have, you've eaten, you've eaten food that is going to keep you energetic throughout the day, right? Um, you know, that's why I love to eat light during the day, eat those monster salads and stuff because that keeps my energy levels peaking out, you know? And then I have the big protein meals and stuff at dinner, eat all that meat and all that stuff at dinner, you know, when I'm, when I'm winding down a little bit, you know, but still you try to keep that energy level up so you can stay focused on those goals and uh, finish strong every day and 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 have a productive positive day so that you set tomorrow up to be even be a better day you know that's what we're trying to get everybody to do here so set those goals get that weekly planner get that dry erase board out start writing stuff down it's really gonna help okay and uh, of course when you're out there following your goals following your passions following your interests make sure you take some time to say something inspirational to the people around you, you know, um, encourage other people to do the same and people don't have to look like you. They don't have to sound like you. They don't have to be from the same place as you. They don't have to have the same, same ideas as you. They're still out there on their mission you know, whether they're confused or they're angry or they're happy or whatever, no matter what they're doing, you know, they're still just trying to figure out their life. So, you know, the more we work together, the less we focus on the conflicts and the more we focus on that common ground, those common interests, we're going to make a better world for everybody here. And human beings are truly creative animals in an infinite universe, you know? So if you're out there on your creative mission and you're inspiring other people on their creative missions and they're getting inspired and they're inspiring other people, we're going to increase the amount of positive happiness you know without trying to get too hippy dippy about it you know truly happy people don't want drama in their life they don't want to go out and and get other people riled up they don't want to go and 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 make other people feel bad you know they are the opposite i want to make i'm happy i'm fulfilled in my life i want other people to be happy and fulfilled in their life that's how it works you know the people that are into the drama and into the controversy and into the fucking you know going and trying to make other people feel bad that's because they feel bad inside okay so you know, before you turn around and throw some insults and shit, you know, maybe just go against that. Maybe flip it up and just try to tell, give someone an uplifting message. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what I'm trying to do all the time here. So carry that on out. If you're a fan of this podcast, please carry that on out for me. You know, let's, let's do this together. Okay? The more people that do that, I promise you, the better everyone's quality of life will be. So... There it is. We made it to the end once again. Uh, thank you so much. Um, if you're so inclined, head over to patreon.com slash shrimp and uh, support the podcast and indulge yourself in the behind-the-scenes madness that we're starting to ramp up here. And uh, if you're a fan of mine, that's the place to be. You know what I'm saying? We're really going to turn this, this Patreon page into the ultimate fan zone uh, for people who dig my work. Um, and, and, of course, the podcast is all about all these people, you know, who everybody involved. So... Uh, big shout outs to everybody that's supporting the podcast. Um, go over to iTunes, give a little five star review, you know what I'm saying? Um, and share this podcast and, uh, until next week, keep it positive, keep it productive. Peace out.